Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome. Guys, welcome. To the show, this is Paradox. We're not going to discuss how I do that all the time. No. We've already done that. This is Paradox, and I'm Josh. And this is Paradox, and I'm Jimmy. I have a confession to make. Please confess. Uh, what line? Two Hail Marys. What song saying? I got a confession to make. Barbara Streisand uh, memories. It was. It was Barbara Streisand in Foo Fighters. That's amazing. Foo Fighters. It's amazing that you met. Who has ever listened to a song by the Foo Fighters? Before we went on the air, you went did a Jaws quote that I didn't know, and I'm getting you back. Okay, all right, that'll do. Barbara Streisand and Jaws. That'll do Donkey Shrek. No, that'll do Pig. Um, the Pig, the Pig movie. What's the Pig movie? Babe. Babe. You just threw out a Babe reference. You know, that's what I do. (laughs) I've never seen Babe. Yes, you have. No, seriously, I got a confession. Katie and I just did some marriage counseling, group counseling. It was a six-month process, weekly, every Monday evenings at our church. In it, it's sad. It's sad that I'm a therapist, and yet I'm not perfect. Yeah, like you suck at so many (laughs) different things. You'd think with the amount of knowledge I have on marriage and family, having degrees in it, that maybe... I could achieve perfection, uh-huh. but it was about halfway through the six-month commitment that um, it dawned on me. I, for years, we've been married eight, I, I felt like I was really good at forgiveness. Right. Because again, yes, you know, the knowledge and just me being the person that I holy. am. Yeah. Being a holy person. I thought I was really good at forgiveness. What dawned on me is I wasn't actually forgiving anything. So historically in Katie and I's marriage... Things would happen, small grievances, and while I thought I was removing them from my mind, and that was forgiveness, emotionally, I was keeping track of them. Yes. Katie, on the other hand, has been really good at bringing up the grievances and discussing them so that we can kind of get them out of the way effectively and truly. But what I was finding is what I was doing is when she would bring up one thing, I would then have 10 different things that I would bring up and just like machine gunner, right? So emotionally, I wasn't forgiving at all. I was just dismissing it, minimizing it like guys do, and then just machine gunning her when she brought up something about me. So, And you said that like that was a negative. <laughs> so while obviously I was not good at forgiveness, I also wasn't good at mercy, And today's show is Mercy in Marriage, and we're going to dive into that issue and how to effectively show mercy to your spouse. Well, especially when you look at at Micah 6.8, that we are commanded by Scripture to love mercy. it, It really is one of those verses that leaps off the page because, he's again, he's not telling us that we should show mercy, that we should 
demonstrate mercy. He says we are to love mercy, that we are to love showing mercy to any and everybody. Because he said, you, he didn't say love mercy in your marriage, love mercy with your children. He's saying we are to love mercy, and, and that means we love it. We can't wait to show it. As soon as we're wronged, instead of going, oh, my gosh, how can I get back at them, or I can't believe what they did, is this fantastic. Here's another opportunity for me to show mercy, because I just love mercy. But mercy is— Done correctly. Yes. Again, myself and a yeah. lot of the guys out there, minimizing mercy, yeah. is not mercy. It's not mercy. But true mercy— is antithetical to our society. Mercy goes against everything it is to be an American in 2017, especially an American in 2017, where we can't walk out a door without stumbling over 15 people we've offended. And we've got to protest and we've got to claim our rights. Mercy goes against all of that. It, is, it goes against us demanding our rights. It goes against what's being fair. It goes against, uh, you know, and me as a, you know, as a parenting guy, always talking about how we have to provide consequences. It goes against the idea of consequences. Again, it's, it's the... And I think it, it doesn't... We believe if we show mercy, it won't get our point across. Correct. And ultimately, it might not get your point across regarding whatever issue you want to protest... But I think specifically within our marriages, it gets the most important message across that you, spouse, mean the world to me. Because forgiveness, as you mentioned, is not something that we say. It's something that we do. Mercy, showing mercy, and I think mercy and forgiveness, we can kind of interchange them here. It's not something that we say. I've had people in my office, I had a lady. And her husband ran off with his secretary, kind of the quintessential, literally ran off with his secretary. She was in the office the week after. So they took a car. No, they ran. They, they got on Mopac and just. They, they put on their Nikes and it's like, there they went. They just took off running, ran off with his secretary. And so the wife was in my office and she said, well, now, and this was like less than seven days after the fact. You know, I've already forgiven him. What I want to talk about is blank. And it was, I just, and when I looked at her, I looked at her as a trained professional and I said, no, you didn't. Uh. <laughs> That's what I said. I Did said, you? uh-uh, no, you didn't. Uh. Gnome saying. Gnome saying. I. So by, the, by the way, that's a little <laughs> glimpse into my childhood. That's how he would actually talk to me. So I said, oh, sweet lady. Not only have you not forgiven, you hadn't even started the process of forgiving. Because before you can turn the other cheek, you got to acknowledge you were slapped. So it's not something that we say. Forgiveness, showing mercy, is something that we do. And it's a very difficult thing to do, especially now, especially in this culture, when we're all into self-care and what's good for me and taking time for me and me and me and me and me. Showing mercy to someone absolutely goes against that in, in, in spades. And the pro I guess the problem, can we move to the problem? Sure. So without mercy in marriage, and obviously this can apply to kids and friendships, but sh not showing mercy within marriage creates a you v me mentality preach it brother 
you become enemies with your spouse. And the interesting thing about it, and my mind went here when you were speaking just a minute ago, but often, and I'm not going to stay here long, but often we treat our spouse, the very person that's closest to us, the worst. Correct. Like we treat our spouse, we would treat, if we went over to a random person's house for dinner, we treat them better than our spouses. Oh, without question. And we're going to see this person again. We will say things to our spouse that we would never say to another person. A stranger. Um, and, and so the one person that we need to be on the same team with, with, mercy, a lack of mercy within marriage creates this you versus me mentality and you become enemies. Also, let me just piggyback. It also Part of that enemy-adversary type of relationship, it creates a scoreboard. What have you done to me, and what have I done to you? And if you've done more bad things to me, I have a morally superior position in this relationship. But if you've done more morally good things to me, then I feel a little sheepish. It creates as the—and tell you, by the way— we also, in our faith, have a very works-oriented, so many people do, that when we die, I hope there's more good than bad. And we carry that same idea over into marriage, that it's, we have this scoreboard. If I treated you better than you've treated me, then okay, then you've got it pretty good. So yes, not only enemies, but it just creates almost this, this tally board. By the way, I also had that thought early in my marriage that, man, Katie's got it pretty good. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, you know, I did the same thing since I was I was in seminary. Person. I was in seminary, and Beth would get angry and raise her voice, and I just mm, mm, mm. wow. She just isn't grateful. No, she's <laughs> and she's not spiritual. I'm in seminary. I'm a man of God. Uh, we're terrible people. It, it, but guys do that a lot. I'm yep. going to take the high ground. I'm not going to have a have a fit like a child. I'm going to go through a tantrum like a child. I'm going to take the high ground and walk out. And all we're doing is being extraordinarily selfish and burying those feelings and that anger, and it soon becomes resentment and bitterness. You're hitting too close to home, Jimbo. Part of the first problem is it creates an enemy mentality within the home. Also, a home without mercy, a marriage without mercy. You really become, I think it was Lisa Bevere just a few weeks ago, you become an expert on their weaknesses. Yes. Which I also like, and I I definitely think it applies here uh, to a, a marriage without mercy. Ultimately, a marriage that does not that that does not have mercy, that lacks mercy, is a marriage that's just choking out. Yeah. I mean, it's dying on the vine. Yeah. Mercy is something that infuses a marriage with life. And so the opposite, the main problem is that it's just it's choking out. Well, and you'll see, you know, you'll see, but you'll hear spouses say, but you know, but they did this. I mean, if if I forgave them, it's I'd just I'd let them off the hook. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of um, what I'm trying to say. The point is that you let them off the hook, just like if a hook was shaped like, I don't know, the cross of Jesus, we were all let off the hook. Hey-oh. And that's not to say, though, that your stuff is minimized. Correct. It actually, in the end, if you're able to display mercy and subsequent forgiveness, it actually can give you more of a footing to show your perspective to your spouse. But, and so that's not to say that, you know, mercy just, again, not don't, not doing what I did and minimizing. No, it's discussing the issues, but it's not holding the emotional grudge. And I don't know if you've ever done anything wrong in, in your marriage. Um, uh, I've known people who've done things wrong personally. Sure. 
Uh, I can't relate. But you can get yelled at for doing something wrong. You can get screamed at. You can be belittled for doing something wrong. And it tends to fester in, I can't believe I was treated that way. And I can't believe I was spoken to that way. Uh, and we can almost build a shell around us when we're attacked about something. But when we're forgiven, when we're forgiven, it like melts those walls. Because we know we're guilty and the person that loves us knows what we did and loves us anyway and forgives us anyway. And that is one of the most powerful, I don't know about you, but I can remember when I became a Christian when I was 15, thinking, I can't believe someone loves me this much. I can't believe someone has forgiven me. That, that was, this concept that someone loves me so much, they forgive me so much, is what kind of astounded me about my conversion experience. So not only we think we're letting them off the hook and they're going to think it's fine, actually the exact opposite. If we can forgive someone, and, and to your point, have that conversation with somebody and let them off the hook when they know they deserve to be on the hook, that is one billion times more powerful than screaming, yelling, threat. I've done the math and it's actually a trillion times. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Maybe that was like 80s numbers. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. It's grown. Uh, solution. First, I think we have, you can't solve a problem that you do not admit you have. I know that the word of God is just a still small voice when we talk about coming against our culture and coming against American culture in 2017. And yet we you 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 can't you can't look through scripture, the New Testament, without being just bulldozed over by the amount of of God's word that commands that we forgive, commands that we show mercy. I think of the unmerciful servant, that parable. Everyone knows that parable. Uh, the guy owes the master a million dollars, and he goes in and goes, please give me more time to pay back. And the master goes, you know what? Not in a million, I'm going to give you more time. I'm, going to act, I'm just going to eradicate the debt. I'm just going to wipe it off. You don't owe it to me at all. And he leaves rejoicing. Then he sees another servant that owes him 10 bucks, and he strangles him and has him thrown into prison until he pays it back. Now, he's called back into the master, and keep in mind, the master is God in this situation, right? And the servant is a servant of God, one of God's children. This is us we're talking about. And he says, you wicked servant. I don't know of another time that he calls the believing family someone wicked. But when you do not show mercy, you're considered wicked by God. So the parable where he just says, you know, you, I forgave you so much and you won't turn around and forgive someone a little bitty bit. And that is such a profound truth in marriage or in our relations with anybody. If we are going to have the gall to take Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, if we are just fine to take him being butchered on a cross and that sacrifice and forgiveness, and we're all for receiving that. Uh, because it saves our tail from the flames. And then we're not going to turn around and forgive someone else comparatively a minuscule amount. I think we'd be considered a wicked servant. So just ad admitting that we lack this, understanding that we lack this, understanding that we're commanded 
to do this. Uh, I think is one of the biggest steps that we can take toward implementing it in our marriage. Again, you think about getting the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. I want to—I tell you—you you want to take a scripture verse that will just knock you off your high horse. We'll take whatever soapbox you have and just put a match to it. It is remove the log from your own eye before you attempt to remove the speck from someone else's. And if you just take that with your spouse, before you go at your spouse about something that they've done, then you need to get the sequoia redwood out of your own eye before you want to turn around and try to remove the nanoparticle from your spouse's eye. It's that kind of humility. Humility is the foundation for mercy. Because if we understand we've received mercy, we've benefited from mercy, we crave to be shown mercy when we deserve it, then it helps us to then extend mercy. I want to read you something. Can I read you something? You can. I'm looking at our um, recording, and, you know, when our voices move, you know, you have the little... Yeah. I'm not technical, so I don't know what that means. But, you know, the little sound goes up and down and up and down. The amount that Jimmy talks each episode is amazing. I'm verbose. <laughs> you'll have you'll have mine just line 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 line. Ooh, doo, 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 doo. Oh, and then line 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 line. You're just always just up and down, up and down, just f- flapping your mouth. I'm verbose. <laughs> Go ahead. Obese and verbose. It's hard to be both of those. It is. And yet, it is. I sort of nail it. Off with class. One of the greatest, no, I, I would say the single best marriage, Christian marriage book is Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. Outside the Bible, amen? No, that's it's much better, much, much better than the actual <laughs> Bible. But his book, Sacred Marriage, personally, you know, the five love languages and love and respect, those are all fantastic. I've never read a book that was so captivating on the subject of Christian marriage as Gary Thomas's Sacred Marriage. He has a devotion book that's called Devotions for a Sacred Marriage. He has one week he deals with the, the topic of mercy. And listen to what he says. He says, you, spouse, you are an imperfect, very fallible, prone to mess up sinner, saved only by mercy. You married a fallible sinner who needs the same remedy. The intimacy of marriage cannot be sustained without mercy. Our sin and guilt are so powerful that absent mercy, every human relationship will fall before their might. You can self, I love this, you can self-righteously judge every spouse who's ever lived. You can prove his or her guilt in a court of law. You can compellingly state your case and clearly demonstrate how far your spouse has fallen short. But the judgment you render will kill the intimacy in your own life, and it won't remove the sin from your spouse's life. It will also herald your spiritual poverty and destruction. And here's a verse that I would love for people to print out and tape to their bathroom mirror. James 2.13. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who does not show mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. If there is one Bible verse that we could brand on our frontal lobes as married people, it would be that last sentence of James 2.13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 
you can't maintain intimacy in any relationship, much less a marriage, without mercy. And there I go, verbosing again. You're good. I was on a rant. I was on a roll. No, it's a fantastic quote. And it really summarizes, I mean, ultimately everything we're here to talk about today. Just real briefly before we wrap up, kind of a few quick solutions from me. And to your point, your very first point, a lack of mercy shows us as counselors, and it should you individually, shows you more about yourself than it really does about your spouse. You try to make it about your spouse and what he or she is doing, but it really, you're just saying more about you than you're saying about anything else. And so you've got to work through your individual issues. That can be family of origin issues. That can be some sort of abuse that you received in the past. Whatever it is, whatever wound you have, you've got to work through that to get it out of the way to be able to show mercy to your spouse. You've also got to put yourself in your spouse's shoes. You've got to learn to empathize. Empathize is going to be the vehicle with which you can use to move towards this idea of mercy. And then finally, um, pray with and for your spouse. One caveat, though, I, I've told that to some couples, and they end up then just using the prayer to bash their spouse over their head. Lord, forgive him for being, being the horrible human that he is. Help him to love me better. Um, and so when I specifically, when I say pray with and for... Lord, please let her like sex more. <laughs> Work miraculously in her... Yes. Uh, it needs to be a, a prayer of thanksgiving. So praying with and for your spouse needs to be a prayer of thanksgiving, thanking God for their spouse and thanking God for the strengths of your spouse and not focusing on their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Jimbo, anything else? Just mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get another one? No. Okay. If this hit home and you want more steps towards becoming a merciful household, you can go to paradoxpodcast.com and click on our episode tab and then find this episode and click on that blog post. You can also follow the show as well as us individually on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. They're at ParadoxPodcast.com as well. Perfect. Guys, have a good rest of your day. Peace out. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to TherapyWithBilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to JulieLylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to ParadoxPodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. Uh, my husband had told me that he didn't love me, that he never loved me. And, um, you know, I talk about the process of taking my thoughts captive. And one way I did that was um, anytime I had idle time, I would just turn on praise and worship because that's an easy way to redirect your thoughts. Because if you're praising God, it's hard to remain frantic. You know, it's hard to remain depressed and it's hard to dwell on the bad things when you are uplifting a savior who created the universe and spins the planet.